Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid, just walk with your Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I'm your host. Tonight is November 13th, 2012. Wow, what a year. Um, I'm excited to do a live show tonight, and I think we're going to have a caller coming in shortly. I was working on a project where I've been scanning all the stories that I've been collecting. I think it's about three years now, and I thought it was about 50 pages, but it turns out as I was scanning with this really great new scanner I got, that it's more like 150 pages. And so I was looking through some of these AA stories. So I want to welcome uh, the guest out there in the chat room. I can see, I don't know who you are, but welcome to the show. And um, so I'm not going to read all the stories. I'm just going to read some of the headlines because as I was looking at them, I was like, this is insane how many stories I have. In fact, the computer guy who was helping me uh, mentioned something about it. So here we go. Five charged with insider trading after Alcoholics Anonymous confession. Federal regulators on Tuesday charged a Philadelphia investment broker and four others with illegally profiting on an insider information that the broker learned from a friend that he met in AA. Um, Next one is convicted Calgary killer who escaped prison. He's granted unescorted leaves. Guess where he's going? Is he going to McDonald's? Will he be headed down to your local library? No, he's going to be attending Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Okay, next story. LA Times, TV Wonder. Uh, Two people wanted to uh, play a little extortion with uh, TV Wonder, and they are going to be sent to 78 Narcotics Anonymous meetings. So maybe you want to be a lookout at N.A. in Los Angeles for people who want to rip you off for extortion. <laughs> the Denver Post, man charged with groping during Alcoholics Anonymous session in Boulder. First of all, there are no sessions, so if any judges or lawyers or professionals are listening, there are no sessions in Alcoholics Anonymous. There are meetings, they are blind leading the blind, there's nobody in charge, there's no safety, nothing, no nothing, nothing, Okay. Um, here's another one. Ira Pressman sentenced to eight years in prison for a Ponzi scheme. 
A resident Ira Pressman told a federal judge Friday afternoon how sorry he was for stealing about $7 million from 23 people through a so-called Ponzi scheme, <laughs> and he met them at an AA meeting. Former bank president is finally sent to prison. This is a story coming from South Bend Tribune. We saw this story a year ago, but thank goodness we have a judge who is sending him to jail for sexually molesting a six-year-old girl. He really wanted to be sent back to his treatment for alcoholism, which he is calling AA. Oh, boy, just the the stories just keep on ripping here. Um, And a friendship ends in death for one, prison for the other. Walter Davis met Ronald Matthews at a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, and the pair became friends. Uh, You can see more of that on n8daytona.org. Minor molested at AA meeting in Nashville is the heading of this one. Uh, Next one is... Man scammed Alcoholics Anonymous members. In Fort Collins, Colorado, a man accused of bilking dozens of Coloradans out of tens of thousands of dollars told CBS4 the accusers were making legitimate investments. Investors say that Richard Mayfield, 72, befriended the alleged victims at places including churches and Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. So I could go on because that's just... (laughs) That's, that's not funny, but, you know, uh, it's a small pile here, but there's two more. But we're not going to go on with these. I have somebody that's going to call in, and what we're going to talk about is what happens when uh, even a judge doesn't sentence somebody because they're, they didn't do anything wrong enough to be sentenced. But that, um, hi, Gunther. How you doing, Gunther? They're in the queue. Hi there. Uh, I am waiting for uh, Gail to call in. Uh, so before I do that, I want to do a plug for a couple of the blogs. Uh, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, they can do it at makeaasafer at gmail.com. That's makeaasafer at gmail.com or right here at Blog Talk Radio. There's a place where you can send me a message, and I check it uh, every once in a while. <laughs> uh, then there's uh, Gunther saying hi. Uh, there's a website that he created it is Expose AA, and the website is, of course, www. Did I say that right? Three W's, expaa.org. So if you just Google exposeaa.org, it will come up, expaa. So there's a forum. Uh, there is the New 12 Steps. Uh, Gunther wrote a very funny Chapter 5 or a, a parody on it. And there's a lot of resources. There's deprogramming some funny stuff. There's some really great videos. There's a funny video where they interviewed uh, Dr. Bob's kids where they talked about they um, <laughs> they actually drugged what was it they drugged them with? Let me see if I can click on this. They drugged them with peraldehyde. There it is. So new members had it easier than today. They got drugged. That's <laughs> really funny. They got drugged with peraldehyde for 24 to 36 hours so life was easier. Um, the other great thing that got posted on there that I pulled and posted over to my site, which is leavingaa.com, is the tax returns. And that's a really good thing to take a look at. So live, in, live free or die posted that up there, and I put it up there. So uh, there's my plug for that, expaa.org. Very good. Thanks, Gunther. The other site that uh, when Stinkin' Thinking went down, really began to pull the stories 
And, uh, oh boy, here's another one. Uh, they're just, she's really pulling the story. So it's uh, nadaytona.org, N-A-D-A-Y-T-O-N.org. All of this is also on my blog roll on the right for other sites that um, I find that are good. Uh, this one, Daytona A member James Maxwell pleads guilty to rape of, oh my God, yeah, I saw this one and I printed it. So this story was around... I don't know it was last year or something, and then uh, we we knew that he did this, but now he actually pled guilty to raping this poor nine-year-old girl in Volusia County. Ay, 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 poor. All right, um, the next one is AA member pleads guilty to manslaughter and endangering the welfare of a child. Wow. Um, AA member Aaron Lottman did not go to AA meetings before this tragedy occurred but had become uh, an AA meeting group leader. Uh, she's still got 12 years. So she endangering the welfare of her child. She let drown in her presence. She had been leading AA meetings and sponsoring people. Wow, it's oh, pretty serious. That story looks like it was posted really recently. Let's see where that story comes from. That's the St. Charles County. The story was November 5th. So that's recent, 2012. I think it was maybe uh, overlooked or overshadowed by the presidential elections. Oh, this is sad. This is really, really sad. Uh, all right. Um, so the others, of course, you know about stinking-thinking.org, or is it com? I can't remember anymore because it's um, not as active as it used to be. It got taken down. And we have a caller in the queue, so I am going to take the call right now. Hi, caller. You're on the line. Hi. Hi. Is this Gail? Yes, it is. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. I just um, I just pulled. I just walked back into my office, and so I'm not home with any notes or anything. So. Well, you don't need any notes. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Um, what I put up was basically that uh, you weren't sentenced. You know, I've got a little background of, uh, but you it was suggested. So. I know a lot of the story, but would you like to tell the listeners, like basically, you know, how you were introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon? Yes, yes. I um, I adopted my nephew when he was ten, and both of his he was in foster care, and both of his parents are alcoholics and drug addicts and mm-hmm. addictive people. And right. while my while my nephew was in the foster care system, he was. He was uh, told that Alateen would be something that would be very, very good for him. Wow. When I adopted him legally, first I became a foster care parent and then a legally adopted, the court systems and the uh, they assigned you uh, your own social worker, they strongly suggested that I go there, that I go to Al-Anon and uh, that he go to Alateen and that it would be favorable with the courts. Uh, we, um, I, I really, I didn't know how to deal with my anger towards my brother and um, and my nephew's uh, mother. So mm-hmm. at first, I found that it was interesting mm-hmm. uh, listening to other people talking, but within about three months' time, everything sounded the same. Every mm-hmm. person in the giant circle were telling the same story. Mm-hmm. Mostly they were talking about how powerless they were, 
Uh, they, it's constantly about how powerless they are against the disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you get smacked with you didn't cause it, you didn't create it, and you can't fix it, which I truly do understand, and that did help me a little bit with trying to understand my brother. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that, I mean, but the powerlessness that you have against the disease, you are powerless to do anything with your sibling, with your loved one, with your parent or whomever it is. And that, you know, it's suggested that you live your life, that you go to meetings all the time, that you get a support group, and then you just accept that the alcoholic himself is powerless. Mm-hmm. And that you know, there's this is this is your salvation is to go through the twelve steps, not the alcoholic, not anything else. This is what your salvation is. I wow. didn't see anything as far as consequences of your actions, mm-hmm. which for me personally is huge because my brother has absolutely no consequences for his actions. Mm-hmm. Um, he stole my car. He crashed it. He hurt somebody else. And then he was mad at me because I didn't go and pick him up from the uh, from the jail. Well, Not ever thinking about what he did, that he stole my car, he crashed yeah. it, he hurt he hurt someone else. Yeah. And it, there, he just and one of the other things when I finally left with um, Alateen, there's a group, and I know that my uh, I call him my son because I've had him for ten years now. Yeah, uh, wow. he was he was dared to drink by the group of Alateen kids. Really, the, the kids. Yeah. They they uh, what they do is they dare to see who's going to get caught first, and what they did was they take a clear alcohol, uh, schnapps or vodka or whatever, and put mm-hmm. it in a water bottle and see. Who could do it the most daring, and who would be the first to get caught? And over the week, who who will not get caught? Uh, my son did get caught, and uh, there were powerful consequences to those actions. How old was he when he did that? He was thirteen, and he met those people in an Alateen meeting. In Alateen, yeah, they, right. the kids were doing it themselves. This was this; they dared each other to do yeah. this. At least this is what I've been told. Yeah, well, when I, I think, then took yeah, him to, yeah. I took him later to a uh, talk to another mother from the school who her um, she was having problems with her son. She told me about a wonderful uh, psychologist who uh, specializes in boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a troubled past with his parents and with alcohol and drug abuse himself, and uh, this doctor was unbelievable. And after three sessions, he took me aside and he told me, he says, I cannot repeat anything that your son says, cannot tell you anything, but I will strongly suggest to you that you get him out of there and you get him out of there right now. It is dangerous to him. Get him out immediately. Wow. And he didn't tell you why he felt like he he, he couldn't? He, he he couldn't. He says, I can't break confidence. I can't do this. He said, get him out of there. Mm-hmm. It is a dangerous environment. Mm-hmm. That class is a dangerous environment for mm-hmm. him. Oh, now, I'm not saying all Alateens are that way. Maybe they're not. But this one was. Well, I have, I've heard many stories from people that I knew in AA who sent their own children to rehab, and their kids were worse off. Uh, one kid was just drinking. 
the other just drinking and smoking pot and coming out and doing heroin. You know, I mean, I really, or coming out and then finding someone in the rehab who's worse because you're in that low bottom, that one out of ten or one out of a hundred kids who's acting out. You're not, like, leaving them off at, you know, uh, some wonderful place where they're, I don't know, you know, just doing nice things. They're, you know, kids that are all troubled. So you're bringing Mm -hmm. your kid to a troubled group. And uh, I really see it that way now. Uh, And I really, uh, the thing about the whole um, you didn't cause it, you didn't fix it, I mean, you can't fix it. The one thing that I think is good is someone saying you didn't cause it, where sometimes that is true. If a kid is in Alateen, that parent did cause it. So what is they telling that kid? That he's powerless over his parents? Like those parents really did something wrong to him. You know what I mean? And the part that you can't fix it, that was the big part for me that when I began therapy, uh, and I was 15 years into my Kool-Aid drinking sobriety, a book by Harville Hendricks, which is called Getting the Love You Want, totally believes that we're here to heal each other, to heal each other. Not And AA's kind of taken on, and the whole culture spread that, People say it all over, not just like, you know, well, you can't help them. They need to, it has to be someone, not family, or, you know, you can't help your own family. Well, who the fuck is going to help them, you yeah. know, if you can't help your, uh, that's not really true. Mm-hmm. And and once somebody gets really involved, they sometimes lose the connection. They say, we're more important than your family. We're more important than your wife, than your marriage, than your children. This comes first. I mean, you know that, that that kind of stuff gets said. Well, unfortunately, you know, I, I, one of the people that I talked to about um, briefly and that I mentioned her once and that you went to her rescue uh, and it was just unbelievable in this young girl who was raped by her uncle while her uncle was uh, drunk mm. and then was told you know, that you can never, never tell, you can never, never tell, and had done it repeatedly. Finally, she told her father, Mm -hmm. and her father wouldn't let the mother know about it. And this girl became, she became, she felt like she was worthless, that the only thing that she was ever good for was sex. Oh, my God. And that she had to hide everything. And so then she became, she started to escape via, um, alcohol and via um, drugs because she felt that she, was uh. worth, that she was worthless. Mm. She felt she was worthless. She then went on to numerous rehabs, six kids with five different guys, and now she's starting to turn her life around in her late 30s, early 40s. Well, Only I hope now. that, yeah, I, I mean, getting, I hope. Is she I think getting Amy, help after over 20 years? Uh, yeah, I mean, her story when I met her and we talked on the phone was pretty bad and uh, Amy and I, I think she hopefully got connected with Amy and I gave her Amy Lee Coy's book from Death to White Part because it's a very different book and Amy has a really deep story. So but maybe I'll, I'll give her a call. You know, I, I think I might do that. Um, so after three months, you were able to see that this was not for you. And what was the case, though, with your son, um, when so he got in with these Alanon Alateen kids and they were doing that and he got into some trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, they like you said they were daring him to drink and then they would, they, it was they were upping the upping the odds of what you know how 
what you can get away with without mm-hmm. being caught. I mean, teenagers do that right. anyway. But then I uh, then got in with another group, and they were um, they were it was taking other kids' prescription drugs, and see who oh you can God. pass it pass it to Ritalin and whatever. See who you can pass it to, and mm-hmm. he got caught passing, and he got he got arrested. Wow. Yeah, and it, in within the uh, at that time when I was talking to the attorney and public defenders and other people in the, um, because he was a minor and still had to talk with the social workers, that was all, you know, explaining, well, have you tried Alateen? Have you done this? Have you done that? And the psychologist told me, get him out of there. That is dangerous. It is dangerous for him. He said, it is dangerous for him. Get him out of there. And that's the only thing he would ever, you know, he would tell me he was making progress, but he didn't say, because you know, he, he couldn't break confidence, but he told me. And he specializes in boys who are in trouble. He said, get him out. Wow. Uh, you want to give us his name or so that people want to know uh, somebody locally or the name of that actually, therapist? Or... Yeah. He's in, he's in uh, Westlake. Um, it's o- it's okay if you don't phone. have it handy. He's just... He's he's absolutely amazing. There's no you can't pull a wool over this guy's eyes. Mm-hmm. He uh he's unbelievable with the kids. His name is Steve. What's his name, Steve? Yeah. The barking dog there in the background. Yeah. It's okay. When you find it, um just interrupt me if we're in there's what's shaking. Hey, Gogo go, Rach okay. is out there in uh, a few people in the chat room. One of the things that I see now, even though I myself too went to Al-Anon uh, and felt like it helped me. I had a family family members that uh, were difficult to deal with. There were some things that I learned there, but then as soon as the high high uh, drama was over, uh, I found it to be uh, kind of actually useless. And um, I think that there's a reason it hasn't grown. I know that there was a large amount of money that was stolen from the major central uh, in Virginia Beach. Somebody bought a house with some money. And I think that if anyone was sent to Alateen or Al-Anon, I'd say, do you know that this this program was based on a woman who was a total victim from the 1930s who a husband slept around on her his whole life? You're going to send a teenager there or a woman who's already having a difficult time? But most people don't say that because they don't know about what Alateen or Al-Anon is. I was down in the courts today. I was in Inglewood courts for somebody, and it was a juvenile division. And I saw these people around me, and I thought, I need to get that trifold pamphlet made, you know, that says your rights are and do not go here. Know your rights and that, you know, you can't be sent and empower your kids and, you know, be an advocate for people because it is deadly. And I I know you shared something with me the other day when you were over here about um, a man uh, hitting on uh, him in a, uh, yeah. a meeting in Santa Monica. So can yeah. you talk about that? Yeah, he um, went. One of the things that w- when he got in trouble with uh, passing the pills, that um, he was told that he now and now needed to go to Narconon. And so there's one in uh, there's one in Santa Monica, 
and he told me, well, there's several all over the place, but he told me that an older gentleman um, was had, was hitting on him during the breaks, and that was the last time we went there because I was the one that was driving. Right, that's pretty bad, and that was in Santa Monica, what, Second and yeah. Hill? Was it that what the meeting yeah. was? Yeah. Yeah. So anybody of the listeners out there, Second and Hill is filled with predators, and uh, I don't know. There's I don't know if there's more than one meeting there a day yeah. or more than one a week, but um, I've actually heard about that meeting when I was leaving my group, and I told them I was leaving. And why? A woman who had been hearing what I was doing for over a year came up to me and told me she was mm-hmm. raped by a guy she met at that meeting, and he still attends her. Oh. A date rape, well, and everyone and everyone to the police, Gail. But he, but at least Patrick, at least at least my son told me. Mm-hmm. He told me mm-hmm. what had happened. He was upset, and then That's, we wow. left. But you know, Al-Anon, I really did get something because I knew nothing about the alcoholic life except for what I, my brother, and so when I learned more about other people's struggles, it really did help me feel a little better about the. I would. I tried. I felt so horrible about myself that I couldn't help him or mm. that he wouldn't listen to me. But I, you don't need, I didn't need more than three months of hearing the same thing. And then it was, everything was rote. No matter what, it was all the same. Just, you're powerless. You need to understand that. Mm-hmm. And they're powerless against their disease. And you need to live your life and look at all these horrible things that have happened in my family. Yours isn't so bad. Yeah, well, maybe that's why it's never really grown that much, so that people go for that short period and then they move on. But there are people who go. I mean, meetings. There were people who've been going to these meetings for twenty years. <laughs> these women whose fathers were drunks or their mothers were drunks, and now they have grown children of their own, but they will never miss a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday night mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. they never miss the meetings. They say this is their salvation. And I do have the name of that uh, psychologist. Yeah, his what is, is it? His name is Dr. Stephen, P.H., Stephen Trudeau. And he's in Westlake Village. Okay. He is unbelievably phenomenal with uh, boys. And I've heard of other parents with teenagers. He... Mm-hmm. He's been. He went through some bad times. He has a son who is physically disabled. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't pull the wool over this guy's eyes. And he talks to the kids directly. And he 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 doesn't break their their uh, their confidence. Right. He doesn't do. He won't say, "Oh my God, something happened here." He just said, "Get him out of there. That's dangerous for him." So he's he not didn't tell me why. He couldn't say. Th- uh, no, the group, that, the Alateen group that that uh, my son, that particular group, and now I guess they're all disbanded. And I, I don't know what happened, but yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Trudeau is—I mean, he was—he was exceptional, exceptional. Wow. Well, it's it's good to know. I can't believe how the time has flown. I was like, here we are at 32 minutes into the show. Now, wow. do you want to stay on and listen? I can put you on hold. Um, you can hear Charlene is going to come on and talk, or she can call in. I can tell her um, she can call in now, 818-475-9211. Are you able to listen on the computer, or you want to just stay on? We can talk. Uh, I, I, I can, I can just stay on. I have to. I have to um, no, I, I, can, I can stay on. 
I'll okay. just stay on the line. I I'm paperwork if my chef paperwork gets too. All right, I'm going to put you on hold then and like uh, mute it. But I, I thank you so much for calling okay. in, and maybe we'll have you back again. I appreciate okay. it so much, Gail. It's really great good. to see you the other night too. Thank okay. you. Yeah. All right, you're welcome. All right, hold on. All right, All right. so Charlene, uh, you can call in now, and it is, uh, here she's calling in. Charlene, let's see, let me push the button here. Hi there, you're live on air. Is it Char? Hi, it's me. Hi, Monica. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I love the show. Oh, good, thank you. It's great to have you on. It was Great to have Gail on, and I see there's someone who I met early on in this work, Gogo Rach. I want to say uh, to her, um, I think that we should have you on, Rachel. Uh, you can do a whole show with me. We have each other's emails, so let's talk about it. I'm doing live shows every other uh, week and uploading old shows. So here we are. Now, uh, how did you first come across uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, Al-Anon, Alateen? Well, my father was a severe alcoholic, and I don't have a lot of memories of that, but I do remember AA, and I remember having to go to Alateen, and uh, my dad was nine years sober. I want to say that he became kind of fanatical about AA in the early 70s. I was pretty young. Probably like six was the first time I went, Mm -hmm. and would witness like the cakes and the things like that, but then had to go to Alateen to show the support of my mm-hmm. father's sobriety. Mm-hmm. That was my first uh, memories of it. At six, you and went to Alateen, or was there? There was Alatot probably back then. Well, uh, it wasn't. It, it, well, I it was, was in with my brothers. I, okay. It was with a wow. bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. And they had me in the normal part. I mean, the the regular meetings and the thing. And it's funny. I didn't remember this story until I was listening to Gail and things start to trigger your memories and. I can remember being that young and my father receiving cakes for thresholds and being called a normie. And I never understood why they wanted me to be separate from my father. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a really, and it, it was so impressionable on me that that's what part of like my fist being closed against being in a, um, Alateen was about was because it didn't matter to me that he was an alcoholic. He was still my dad and we were still one of the same, you know? Yeah. So as a little kid, I was being segregated from my father because of his alcoholism. Mm, it's really sad. It's. I mean, I yeah. was told that stuff, too, and thinking about my father when he would get really mad when I would get up from Thanksgiving dinner in Hawaii, and he said, where are you going? And we said, we're going to a meeting. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's really messed up. Okay, so I want to hear your story, though. Well, and then some of my, my biggest issue with dealing with that as a child was that I was told that the fact that my father was an alcoholic had nothing to do with me, that it affected me, but it didn't have anything to do with me. But his sobriety was my responsibility. So as long as my father was drinking, it wasn't my fault, but I was supposed to be a part of keeping my father sober. Mm. Now, possibly presented to me that way by people who are not professional and should not be dealing with a very young mind. Um, Right, right. But, I mean, and it was, his sobriety was, above all, the most important thing in the house. Where did you grow up, a part of Los Angeles? Um, In the Valley. Mm -hmm. I was San Fernando Valley. Mm -hmm. And my father went to a couple of regular meetings, but when I was little, little, it was the west side of the Valley, and then uh, as a teenager, I grew up in Sherman Oaks. 
And that was the thing that even as a child, we I had a retarded sister. To me, as a kid, she took priority. Right. Not my father being sober. And it and it was really something that I think that's my biggest complaint about what I've been through because I had chemically dependent parents and naturally I married someone that was a drug addict. I mean, mm-hmm. I say that like a oh, goat, but that's the normal story. And as an adult, how you're treated when you go to Al-Anon and as a kid being treated in Alateen, and it's like, why am I being treated? <laughs> yeah, okay. that's really making you feel like you're already broken, like there's something exactly. wrong with you. Did you, oh, did yeah. you feel that way then? Did you start Absolutely. to feel like... Where was, your mom, mean, where was your mom in this? Were your mom and dad together? My mom and dad were divorced um, by the time I was about three. Oh, and my okay. mom then became chemically addicted. She was a heroin addict. Mm, wow. So I had two pretty, and the weird part was, is my uh, my siblings remember my father being the chemically crazy parents, and I remember my mom being that way. Yeah. Because my dad went through nine years of sobriety, which, by the way, when he drank, they chastised him. Oh, my God, I've never seen anything in my life. He went to meetings and did everything he was supposed to do. And right. Followed the golden rules, and he fell off the wagon. I mean, and it was like he had committed the worst sin in the world. Yeah, and they're not very forgiving. There's a few that no. are, but as a whole, the whole chip thing and the whole, like, stand up and, you know, take your 30 days again. When people had years, they don't lose your time. And what is that anyway but a bunch of ego buffooning, you know, it, you know, beating the chest, saying, I have this much time, this much time. And truthfully... By the time I had, I remember celebrating 25 years, and people were like, whatever they said about me, and I said, you know what? This feels like too much. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's like a weight mm-hmm. on me, you know, and it got worse, 30, 35. It, it was not good. So your dad It wasn't drank... enhancing your life. No, no, I don't think so. I think that uh, the abstinence is uh, not that I was, you know, biting at the you know, whatever to have a drink or whatever, because I certainly wasn't. But the time and the whole thing I felt very organically at meetings with that, first of all, there's, as you get higher up in those years, there are few and few people around. So you start to go, like, what am, where is everybody else? Right. And why am I still here? So he drank and he, he wasn't welcomed. And, 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 he, and then the, the, I digress. I'm sorry I went on it's and fine. on. But no. the main thing that, the thing that I am ringing true for me is that, that the perception of what I went through in dealing with someone else's recovery. Mm-hmm. And his, to me, was just, as a child, and as a child I used to say to him, I mean, as a little kid saying, but if I didn't make you drink, why do I have to be there to keep you sober? I don't understand how I have to attend meetings for your sobriety. Wow, at what age did you say that to him? Seven. Oh, yeah, you I were seven. smart. Mm-hmm. I was just like, if, and you know, I go into these meetings and they'd say, you had nothing to do with your dad drinking, you know that. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. then why am I here? This is a punishment that you're going to make me sit here and listen to how to cope with his sobriety. I don't care. If he's going to stay sober, that's his deal. That was the part that I just went, I don't, I don't understand how that, and I would have never, I never sent my children to Alateen. When we dealt with their father, yeah. we dealt with, and I tried to do, be the supportive part. Here we go 30 years into the future, and I'm, I'm not 30, but 20 years into the future, and I'm going to the Betty Ford Center for a week of family care for my husband. Mm. And, it's, and, you know, they don't say they're 12 steps. 
but they're doing a 12-step program. Mm -hmm. And they're 12-stepping families. I mean, and it's like I got there, and the third day, Monica, I told you this, that they said, we can't help you. And I was already devastated. I'm looking at a crumbling marriage, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is what my lot in life is. I'm supposed to be around all these addicts and, you know, all this jargon and all this crap, and it's never working. And this head psychologist or psychiatrist looks at me and goes, we can't help you because you already know that you're with an addict, and you've chosen that way. How, How can you be somebody that's supposedly official and give someone, I mean, if I wasn't of sane mind, I could have left that place and killed myself in thinking that I have no other choice in life. Well, I have a really problem with that place because, although I haven't visited, I know people who have sent people there and friends who have gone to visit people there, and they charge a lot of money, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's twenty-two or 25000 a year. And I know they've hired a lot of steppers, and that's what their big badge is. And they're very condescending and very arrogant, and they think that they're the ones who know because they were addicts and... We're abstinent now, and it's really hogwash. They, you know, the the new the new millennium or the new world we're in now. There's a long list of other programs that, with people who, whether it's Dr. Mark Kern for moderation, mm-hmm. he was an addict who has been at it a long time and uh, doesn't choose abstinence for alcohol because his thing was really, you know, drugs. It wasn't, you know, uh, alcohol. And I'm going to have him on. I've already spoke to him. He's going to be on the show. And then there's... And, and you know, I agree with the fact that we're always quick to, to label people as having a problem when maybe they don't. Right. Maybe they don't, or maybe it's not like, oh, my... And the other thing that I... I there's a million things I can think of, but the other thing that I think is, like, vitally important is when I was a kid, they used to say to me I was predisposed to become an alcoholic. Uh, Mm. Like you go to Alateen and they tell you you're predisposed to become alcoholic because it's genetic and it's in your dad's blood and it's in your blood, so you can't ever touch alcohol. Do you know what that does to a kid that doesn't think straight? I mean, it becomes like the the red herring that you have to go after. Well, I think I, I know because I did it to my sons, my oldest worse than my younger, because I was told that by a therapist when he was a baby. I mean, I went to, and now one of the therapists, I she knows clearly what's going on, and that's not true. And mm-hmm. the other two that I went, but I made that serious mistake. Maybe I wasn't as hardcore, but they certainly let me know that I was. Thank God I'm out. Yeah. Yuck up the road, just self-fulfilling prophecy. I was lied to by a freaking Ph.D., you yeah. know, that she was taught that by who? It's a lie. And it's a lie. and she, you know, we went uh, and to undo that, and, and which is now what I've been undoing for the last years. I've been sure. deprogramming since 2009, but mm-hmm. I feel terrible, you know. And well, yeah, I, but it, it goes back to the same thing as when you, when people were spanking their kids with switches off the trees, it was acceptable. And and I think what saved me as far as that thinking that I had, because I, you know, I would talk to people. When I was in my 20s, and they they swore I was in an AA program. Mm. I'm like, no, I've never been an alcoholic. Oh, yeah, you're a friend of Bill W's. I'm like, no, my dad was a friend of Bill W's. I lived that, wow. you know, passive 12-step through my father. Oh, and my I God, think, you poor thing. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about what happened to my dad when he fell off the wagon was that he realized, I- I'm an alcoholic and I have a problem, and I definitely can't look at it like I wasted nine years of my life. If I looked at him and said, you didn't waste nine years, I would have known you. You raised me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was just so cut and dry. And I, 
I lost track of what I was going to say, but one of the things that I think is really important is that with my children, I went through therapy. Mm-hmm. I had addictive parents, and I married an addict, and I had to go through therapy, and I had to figure it out. Right. And because my guts told me when I was healthy what to do, and it doesn't mean that I'm screwed up or broken. It just means I got confused. Mm-hmm. But the examples I had in my life weren't the greatest examples, and it goes upward. And that's the part about the Al-Anon thing that when I tried to do it, because that's what I knew, I was like, no, I'm not buying this. I'm not mm-hmm. going to sit around this circle of people and hear about how horrible it is to live with someone trying to get sober when you have to change your life. I, you know, if you if you say it's an alcohol, if alcoholism is a disease, I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, go to a doctor. I can't help you with this. Yeah. So yeah. That's what I mean. It, it took. I went through six and a half years of intense psychoanalysis, group therapy for three hours every other Saturday because I. I knew that the things that I had in my mind didn't fit the life that I lived. Right, right. You know? Um, I want to tell just the listeners, because there's a few there, and there'll be people that will listen to the show later, that um, I met Char through my husband's uh, friend from a long time ago when he first came to Hollywood, but the real time we connected was we're at this party. It was a large party, uh, an afternoon party, and... um, she said, well, what are you working on? And I said, this documentary, and about what? And then I said, uh, you know, criminal behavior going on in the addiction recovery industry. And then I saw your face, and then I said, well, you know, 12-step, and which, you know, I I, I always tread, you know, to see where I'm going with each individual right. as I reveal that. And Char, Charlene just, like, jumped, like, her whole being, and, and then she just, like, went, <laughs> and, and we had this conversation like I going on you. <laughs> we like no. <laughs> she really was able to talk, and we talked like nonstop for whatever two or uh, three hours we stayed. At the yeah, we did. Party. We 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 created a lifelong friendship in three hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really it was really fun, and really uh, I could see the damage. I could feel the the pain. What happened to your dad when they ostracized him? And I think one of the things that I, that stayed with me was that you said that he, and is this right, that he felt like he was a failure because he drank? Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, yeah. That's really sad. It erased the nine years. And, and my father had such a rough life that for me it wasn't that he stayed sober. It was that he was creating a life, and in his mind he connected that with AA keeps me there. And I'm like, dude, if it works for you, I'm good. But it was that he really... Did an overall in his you know total change in his life, and it took him to fall and not have one person that was there to say go Ed go to go mm. wait a minute I have to get up and do this, and he did he got up and he did it. So what? yeah, I mean it was devastating. He had the same sponsor for nine years, and this guy came over to the house and just said you know and called him a piece of shit. Well, how could you do that? Oh my God, these people! You know what? They're gonna—they're gonna get so sued. They're just gonna get. There's gonna be not. Never mind. Just AA. You're gonna have people finally suing other people for giving medical advice, for people sexually harassing them. For mm-hmm. it's gonna be a serious explosion, like the Catholic Church when it blows up, because mm-hmm. the abuse. The I gotta tell you, it, it began for me. Thank God, it, it happened for me. 
that I saw it for what it was, uh, just trying to the 13th step and bringing my son to a meeting and seeing it for what the hell it was. And Callie, if you, uh, I mean, the way she was 13th stepped is just hideous. And I began to mm-hmm. go to meetings with her and was just like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. This is disgusting. And it was, and then it was the tip of the iceberg because. Everything you're saying, the bullying, the condescending, the that we don't need to make things safer. We can, everybody can get away with anything here. We're different. We're alcoholics anonymous. I'm like, what are you like? It's anonymous. Special cult. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter that you have that name. You know, it's almost like, uh, it's so. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that all these stars can let you know that they're in the program, that they can make a big film with Denzel Washington about. You know he's an alcohol. I mean, it's, he's a great actor and all, but you know, and then you're going to say that he go that that you know AA is the only place to go, and now thousands and thousands of people are going to see another film, and they're going to wind up in another in a meeting where it's not mm-hmm. safe, and they're dumping third level sex offenders and violent criminals at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's what truly, I mean, I love that you were saying that earlier because that truly disturbs me that this has become so commonplace that we're taking our criminals and putting them in a place where people are so vulnerable. You're doing what? You're sending, mm. I mean, would you would you take uh, a, a woman that's been raped and stick her in a prison? What are you doing taking the rapists and putting them in AA? I know. That, well, I mean, to me, I was just like, what? You know, you offered to help me, and I totally had forgot about asking you to do something else. After, when we get off the phone, uh, we'll sure. talk about, you know, some of the activist stuff that uh definitely want to do. So, uh it's really when did your father pass? He passed away in 94. He passed away sober. Mm-hmm. He um he had a little rough year prior to his death and, you know, he had been a binge drinker, not that you know that, but his liver couldn't handle the sickness that he had gotten. Mm-hmm. Um and he died happy and he didn't die in AA. He never. He, he tried to go back for two years after that falling, and then he never went back to AA. Mm. He, he continued to have bouts of drinking, and he dealt mm-hmm. with it. And he was a binge drinker. So you didn't have to have like fifty members, like you know, coming to see him, and then you had an, you didn't have to have an AA funeral. No, didn't have an AA funeral. And the funny part was, is um, the first like four years after he fell. And then he went back, and then he decided he wasn't going to go back to meetings. People were bothering him for about three years. They'd show up at his house, Ed, Ed, we haven't seen you at the Hall in the Sky. Ed, Ed. And I'd stand there and go, what are you doing? Are you guys like the Moonies or something? He doesn't want to be a part of AA anymore. (laughs) (laughs) What did they say to that? I love that. I love that part of you. They just thought, oh, that's Ed's daughter. She just says what. I'm like, dude, seriously. I mean, if I stop going to church, is the minister going to come and pull me out of my house? You say that it. Oh, that's so I mean, funny because I was listening to an old, sorry, an old show that I put up that Gunther was, he's a blogger and he's got a, a blog called Exposed AA, expaa.org. And mm-hmm. he was on one of the shows and he told a story about how his mother was warning him about the Moonies, you know, how to look out for them. And, jeez, uh, mm-hmm. oh, you know. It's they were so, like that. And then when he died, the the man that was his sponsor that had done that had stayed in touch through my mother and he called me. And I was just like, did you ever make amends with my father? <laughs> I said, did you ever do the fourth step with my dad? He was like, my God. And I'm like, you terrorized him. I don't want to talk to you. 
Go ask for forgiveness from your people. I just couldn't even find it in my heart to be okay with him because I'm like, you hurt him. (laughs) I mean, that Um, kind of thing. And then it was the same with my husband, my ex-husband. Yes, what happened there? He got so he was a he was a cocaine addict, and naturally when you know that alcohol goes with it, and you know it's a generic thing. Well, you need to go to AA. Well, I'm I'm a cocaine addict. Well, you don't need to be an NA. You can get drugs there, so go to AA. Like oh, so you can become an alcoholic. But he said no. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to figure out why I have the need to do this. Mm. I'm going to figure out if I can stop this on my own. And he went to therapy. And he's a success story. Wow, that's have really... have to see that. Yeah, so that's a good story. Uh, one of the things that really made me mad in Flight, the Denzel film, is he meets this girl, woman, she's not a girl, woman, who's a heroin addict. And she goes to an AA meeting. You know, and I'm like, yeah. what is this? Oh, you, like, you can't go to NA? Like, that's not good enough for you? She's a fucking heroin addict. And we mm-hmm. all know in AA that they have this whole thing about the drugs, you know, we're better than the addicts, and the mm-hmm. whole most of the meetings are like that. And mm-hmm. unless somebody comes in with they're either, you know, an actor or they're really cool or something, right? Then mm-hmm. And it was just like, it, it was, I, I thought to myself, why is she in an A? And I, I went to the movies alone, and I actually kind of said a little bit, of like, why is she at an A meeting and not an NA meeting? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Stand up and get my bullhorn. Yeah, and, and the, the guy that was helping my ex-husband said, "You don't want to go to NA. You want to go to AA because NA you'll get drugs there." And I was like, "Wow, wow!" Yeah. I didn't know. I was like, "Dang!" And he said, "No, I'm gonna." And we were separated. I mean, he didn't get get off of anything until he was. We were separated, and that I wasn't the problem. But naturally, I went, "Wow, am I the problem?" <laughs> um. And he he did it himself. He said, I had to find it within me. No one's going to mm-hmm. be able to tell me who I am. I need to discover this on my own. So I love that my children have that success story. I, you know, my mom was a heroin addict and stopped, and she lived 20 years without doing it. She was an ex-heroin addict, a success mm-hmm. story. She didn't go to N.A. You know, she found God and read the Bible and decided that she needed therapy. So... Yeah. I, just, yeah, I think that the idea of AA started off really good at the time, but I don't have positive feelings for that environment for anyone that's vulnerable. Yeah, I th- and it, it's really become a mosh pit. I think that's what Kevin called it, uh, a mud pit, uh, when if you get yourself or you know anyone who's out there still going out of your little women's meeting or your men's stag meeting and even then mm-hmm. i hear that there's you know men carrying pieces uh or really dangerous looking men showing up at even the men's stag if you mm-hmm. li- there are small towns somewhere in long island where they're like what you know no it's really fine here uh, of course that's true but if you mm-hmm. are in a major city and you go into Culver City to the Marina Center or you go to 414 Lincoln or you go to the places that I've been, you know, that have been written up in uh, in Nutley, New Jersey, you know, where the men were sexually harassing people who live in those houses on the way to their stupid meeting or mm-hmm. how about the people that are down in uh, Miami was one of the stories where 
they had a huge meeting, like a town hall meeting with the mayor, because the people in the meeting were harassing and making so much noise for the neighbors that they were told, you can't park here, and they're like, oh, we can. It's almost, and the smoking in a Holly Hill Park, you know, mm-hmm. where they, they, the sign goes up with like, oh, you know, we're special. Like, we were addicts and alcoholics, and, you know, we gave up that, but, you know, we get to smoke, even though normal people don't, because... See, know, that philosophy kills me as a person that yeah. was living with addicts, because it's like, wait a minute, you don't get to go and spend all this money every month that you're not spending on your drugs or your alcohol to feed your idea that you're not on it because then you're just feeding it. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell my dad that because he was like, I guess they call it a dry drunk where, yeah. you know, his sobriety was his alcohol. And I was like, yeah. Dad, no. I mean, I'm yeah. glad you're sober, but no, that's not okay. And he couldn't get it because he was being told, well, you know, you're, you know that you're, you're sensitive and you're in recovery and you're in recovery every day and you need to come to meetings and, and uh, be good to yourself. And if you really want that car, go get it. Like what? <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. This oh God, the word recovery. Feeling. Oh my God, Char. The yeah. word, some of the words, like mm-hmm. really. Uh, uh, how do they, how do you feel about some of the words? Do they? Oh, I, I mean, it, it kills me. It, that that part. I don't have anger because I I really don't feel angry about it anymore. I think if my parents were alive, I would. But. Mm-hmm. I just, and especially when I talk to somebody and I feel bad for them because they'll talk to me and I hear it and I think, well. I hope this works for you because I'm really careful about speaking about AA because it's almost like it's you know blasphemy. My God, don't say anything bad about Bill Wilson or Bill W. Whoever he is, but I you know recovery and it's like someone will go, oh, just take it one day at a time. I hate that slogan. Yeah, I mean, I hate a lot of it. I don't uh, want to. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. The go-go Rachel wrote, uh, "Food trolling the internet, thirteen-stepping." Because A is just a band-aid that covers deep-rooted issues with a cookie-cutter exactly. solution. Yeah, definitely, I mean, if Rachel, you're truly yeah. an alcoholic, if you're not someone that's being told you're an alcoholic and you're truly an alcoholic, it's a symptom to a problem. And the problem is, let's not put a band-aid on it. Let's find out why you feel the need to numb yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you will be empowered and you won't feel like you have to be special and smoke in a non-smoking area. You'll be able to respect the rules of, and the laws of our society. That's a functional member of society, not being isolated or segregated because you're special. Because you're special because you're special, not because you're a recovering alcoholic, you know? Yeah. That's the part that bothers me. And I think and I, we're... And I don't want to hear someone say, well, you know, it's been really difficult. Well, yeah, everybody has a difficult life. Believe mm-hmm. me, I think I'd rather be drunk out of my mind in times of stress than be sober. But, you know, I don't have an alcoholic problem. So, yeah, right. it's a Band-Aid. And, and if it's used correctly, maybe, but I don't even think so. I think that the mindset that you need meetings is ridiculous. Yeah, but first of all, Bill, went. they went to meetings once a week back then, and they talked about right. what was current. They didn't sit around and read even a book or Chapter 5 until the book came around. They, you know, they did a bitch and stitch. They, yeah, they, they did a bitch and stitch. I'm a yes. knitter. You do a bitch and stitch once a week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's uh, some A members actually believe that alcoholics are God's chosen people. Gunther wrote, uh, "Yeah, that's true. They really think they're special." Now, you know, one of the things we see that in California, especially in Los Angeles, with uh, a lot of stars and people who use it to meet people, and certainly some of them, uh, you know, need to stop drinking the way they drink. I don't know if they have to stop drinking their whole lives. You know, everybody. 
poor mm-hmm. Lindsay Lohan getting it shoved down her throat and a few other stars who are now passed away because AA was shoved down her throat. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, because we know that the media keeps propelling that this is the way. I mean, there was another movie, Smashed. I went to see that. I was furious. It was a total propaganda film again for AA. How, Charlene, could we change the tide? Needs to we, be need to, we need to raise the level of consciousness around us, our voices, and not as a cult, but as people. So informa- well, this is the information age. AA isn't the only option. If it works for you, great. But use discernment like you do with religion, like you do with your doctors, like you do with renting or buying a house. You know, shop around. Find what works. And I think our voices are going to help mm-hmm. because it is it is time. And it's time that – and I think people want to hear that there's something else there, that it's not just i got to do these 12 steps and i I, I got to go and make amends. Even Bones, the show Bones, they had one of the characters 12-stepping on the show. And we need, yeah, it has to be like more. I mean, I keep already talking to this with Kevin talking about it. Is you know, documentary, narrative film, yes. fictional yes. film, television series, uh, and me not the only one. You know, it has to be somebody really telling the stories over and over, just like they're telling the stories. In fact, I, I was reading about Marty Mann's life, and she. You know, they really hooked them up with people in Hollywood and made Days of Wine and Roses, and mm-hmm. you know that movie was. Complete propaganda. That was total yeah. setup for in promoting Alcoholics Anonymous. So was uh, I think I am a teenage alcoholic with uh, Linda mm-hmm. Blair. It was made in 1974. And I remember it. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. How did I know? I'm not saying I'm a genius. I don't even know. How did I know as a kid that what they were telling me just didn't? I mean, it didn't make sense. I'm not uh, the reason for his drunkenness or her using drugs, but I need to be there to support the sobriety. Yes. Mm. I believe in that. I believe in supporting the people that you love, but not at the way that AA does it. Because then I lost my identity of who I am, and then I thought, well, shit, I don't know if I want to be a normie. <laughs> Both mm. my parents aren't. You uh. know? I mean, and I was at least smart enough. I'm not saying that... Uh, the only thing I'm saying is I think it's wrong. I think that these people aren't educated and and... They don't handle people in the most vulnerable moments and their families. If you're going to involve the family, then be correct about it. So, yes, I believe that we need to get out there and we need to talk about it and we need to just make it available. Yeah, we do. We're running out of time. I want to thank my guest, Gail, calling in, and Charlene, I want to char. I want to thank you for calling in. It was thank you. really, really a good show. Uh, and we're going to have in the coming weeks... I uh, talked to Mark, Dr. Mark Kern, who works with moderation. And uh, I want to just put the word out that there is Dr. Ed Wilson, Dr. Mary Ellie Barnes are in Los Angeles. Both of these people, uh, both Mary Ellen Barnes and Ed Wilson, are non-12-step AA people. Dr. Mark Kern, you have smart recovery meetings. You have SOS meetings a couple a week or I think three a week, secular organizations for sobriety. And of Amy Lee Coy's book and Hank Hayes's book that really give a different way, and I will be uh, having a, a live show every other week, 
for the end of the until the end of the year as I finish up my film and I want to thank everybody for uh, being with me tonight again I'm Monica Richardson this is And Monica uh, thank you for doing what you do. You're thank welcome. You. You're welcome and, and good night. Thank you so much. Our, we'll good talk night. again. Okay, bye. Bye. So uh again it's Monica Richardson on Safe Recovery on Blog Talk Radio. It's been really really great. It was so Good to see uh, everybody in the chat room. It was a small little group, but uh, Gunther, it's great to see you. And uh, Rachel, good to see you. Contact me at makeaasafer at gmail.com. I think we've already done that, and I think I gave you my number. Okay, so we will talk and have you on as a guest, and I would love to do that and have you talk. Okay, thank you, everybody and everybody, and I'll see you next week. Good night.